WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Hey folks, thanks for joining us here for Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Perhaps one of the most underreported stories unfolding right now in Charlotte. Private firms buying up single family houses. City leaders have told us here on Flashpoint for years affordable housing is the biggest issue facing Charlotte. It's never been tougher to be a first time home buyer here. And what's making it even more tough? You're up against Wall Street backed landlords who own more than 11,000 single family homes here in Charlotte, flipping them then into rental properties. And it's perfectly legal. We'll have more on that coming up in just a moment. But first, a broader view at the market as it stands right now. Some encouraging news. Experts say more houses are hitting and staying on the market. According to Redfin, new listings across the nation jumped 4% over the uh, month of June. However, according to Canopy Real Estate here in Charlotte, inventory has fallen by 51.8% over uh, year over year. The price of homes still high though. In June 2021 data, the median sales price of $335,000 and the average sales price of $406,000 rose 18.4% and 21.9% year over year respectively. Joining us today is Eli Portillo, the Assistant Director of Outreach and St uh, Strategic Partnerships at UNC Charlotte's Urban Institute, also a uh, longtime uh, reporter and writer over at The Observer as well. You might know the byline. Um, he's joining us today to uh, give us an assessment of uh, the real estate market and bear down on some of the issues. Let's start as sort of broadly as possible, Eli. What is making this, and I know it's multifactorial, but, but what is making this such a difficult uh, market for, for folks trying to buy a house? Well, for people who have been in Charlotte for a decade or more, this really feels like the polar opposite of where we were after the Great Recession and the housing crisis then. You know, we've gone from a situation where we had a glut of houses on the market, where prices were way down, to a situation now where houses are selling very quickly. There are very few on the market at any one time and prices have really increased sharply. Um, demand has stayed high. The pandemic has um, prompted people to want to look to maybe move out of the apartment or even move out of a larger city and move to Charlotte where they can have more living space. So there are a lot of factors driving this. I mean, one number that I think really um, makes this concrete is that in 2014, according to the local uh, Realtor Association, houses were on the market for an average of about 104 days before a sale. Now, this year, that's down to 13 days. So that really just kind of hammers home how much uh, quicker, hotter, and more competitive the real estate market has become. Have we seen any relief just, say, in the, in the last couple of months? Any signs that things might be getting a little bit better? Well, prices have continued to climb really quickly. Um, inventory, the number of houses for sale, is up slightly in the Charlotte region from its low point. You know, it bottomed out in uh, in March at around only 2,700 houses for sale in the whole 16-county region that includes Charlotte. That's a really low number. You know, if you go back uh, just to 2014-15, there were around 15,000 houses for sale. So a really big decline there. We've seen that inventory come up a little bit. Uh, nationally, there's been, you know, a little bit um, of a slowdown in uh, house sales, just, I mean, slight. And people are wondering, you know, will it be 
uh, rising interest rates? Will prices finally get too high? What will cool this off? I don't think we've seen um, a real relief yet. And if you're out there still trying to buy a house, uh, you certainly know that that it doesn't doesn't feel a lot better. Listen, you know this as well as I do. Um, city leaders will tell you that affordable housing is the number one problem here in Charlotte. Yet you have these private firms buying up single family homes, more than 11,000 of them here in the county, about 5% of the homes on the market, um, then turning those into rentals. And we know that homes are, are really one of the biggest wealth builder uh, for a lot of families out there. Those families now being denied, forced to, forced to rent. Um, Give us an idea of how this is happening. You've sort of led the way on this uh, reporting, and, and I think it's been underreported for a large part. How is this happening? So this is a really big change in how the housing market and the rental markets uh, for single-family homes works. You know, prior to the Great Recession, uh, this was a really fragmented market, kind of dominated by you know mom and pop landlords, local folks who had an extra house or two. Maybe they invested in a few houses and rented those out. But after the Great Recession, when housing prices fell and there were a lot of foreclosures, short sales, distressed properties on the market, firms with Wall Street backing and national reach stepped in and started buying houses in, uh, in large numbers and creating portfolios of rental houses. And they really focused, uh, especially on fast growing cities in the Sun Belt and the Southeast. And Charlotte has been a really hot market for these companies like Tricon, American Homes for Rent, and uh, Progress Residential, a few others. They've purchased, uh, we did an analysis and found they've purchased about 11,500 houses just in um, Mecklenburg County. They also own more in surrounding counties. And uh, that's as of this spring. So we know they've continued to buy and uh, I expect that it's increased since then. Uh, it's really interesting because they don't focus on you know, equally across the Charlotte region. These purchases are really clustered in um, areas, you know, kind of in what we've traditionally called the Crescent, uh, North, South and East, or I'm sorry, North, West and East of Uptown. And also in fast growing suburbs like Steel Creek, uh, the Huntersville area, the North Lake area, these kind of really fast growing suburbs. And these companies have created a whole new business model where they have uh, permanent rentals for uh, in neighborhoods that didn't used to have them. And they've continued to add to their holdings here in Charlotte pretty aggressively. And, and let's be honest, if you're a first time home buyer, um, what are your chances up against one of these firms? Well, what we found is that uh, on average, these houses that they've purchased in Charlotte have about um, a $200,000 to $206,000 appraised value. And that's on average everything they've bought. That's well below the uh, average in Mecklenburg County, which is about $325,000. So what that tells me is that these companies are coming in and buying a lot of starter homes, a lot of homes on the lower end of the price spectrum. And that's where first time home buyers are more likely to be concentrating their activities as well. So even though it's a small percentage, uh, less than 5% of the total single family homes in Charlotte, as you mentioned, it's uh, really concentrated in the part of the market that first time home buyers want to be. And that's also where we've seen the biggest inventory crunches. So, you know, last month, the local realtor association said that across the entire 16 county Charlotte region, there were only about 950 homes for sale 
that cost $250,000 or less. So less than a thousand houses for sale across the entire region for less than $250,000. That's a really low number. And if you're a first time home buyer trying to get on that uh, property ladder, trying to get on the first rung of it, that's a big challenge. It means that there are fewer houses to choose from the people who are trying to buy them, you're competing with them. You're also competing with these firms and they'll step in and um, offer you know, all cash. Uh, they have reputations for sometimes offering significantly over asking price. And they are um, you know, really in, the, in here, in this market competing, I think, especially on the lower end of the price spectrum where we already know we have some of the most, uh, most challenging conditions. Eli, what boggles my mind though is everything you just said and local leaders will say affordable housing is our biggest issue. We, we know they're buying up a lot of the affordable housing, but there's nothing that city leaders can really do about it. Is that, am I correct in my understanding there? Yeah, you know, there's, there's nothing that I'm aware of that would allow, you know, the city uh, to block a company from buying housing. You know, this is a, these are private firms uh, buying private property in private transactions. And that's the way um, our real estate market works. You know, I think there are also um, some issues you get into when you talk about, say, um, banning rental fam rental housing in single family neighborhoods. You know, you can get into some equity issues there because a lot of times sure. if you do that, if you tried to do something like say, okay, single family neighborhoods can't have rental housing, that's what we're gonna do to try to keep these, um, these companies out then you're kind of locking out a lot of people who might not be able to afford a house, to buy a house there. And that's one of the things that these companies will tell you. They'll say, well, we are buying houses um, that people can't afford and we're turning them into rentals. So we're actually opening these neighborhoods up to more people who either can't or don't want to buy a house. And I think coming on the heels of the debate we've had about single family housing in Charlotte and whether we should allow more duplexes and triplexes, I think it's worth uh, considering our attitude towards rental housing because a lot of times, you know, that can become uh, kind of discriminatory. You hear people who don't want rental houses in single family neighborhoods and it's a complicated issue, but I think but, it's but worth considering the, the equity implications as well. 100%, and I think most people understand that, that that becomes a slippery slope. But then in some cases, I mean, you're talking about they're buying up entire neighborhoods. Yeah, that's been a really uh, that's been a pretty new trend. And I think that shows how much demand there is. There are uh, some new single family neighborhoods being built that will be for rent forever. And that's a really big change. Um, you know, big companies like uh, Crescent Communities here in Charlotte, they've opened a build to rent division for housing. And that could be something that, you know, that kind of thing could lower the amount of inventory we see added. We're already in a situation where we need a lot more housing built, a lot more for sale housing built, and now we have more builders turning to rental housing and more companies turning to um, you know, buying up new houses, not foreclosures, not distressed properties, not short sales, they're buying new houses. Uh, for example, there's in Loso or Lower South End, there is a new townhouse community that's being built, and uh, it's about 80-some units. The entire thing is going to be bought by Fundrise, which is sort of a, a crowdfunded investment platform and turned into rental housing. And they are paying an average of $417,000 for these townhouses. 
So that shows you that these companies that started off buying you know, cheap properties, distressed properties, foreclosed properties, there's so much demand and there's so much money that they are now willing to pay top dollar for brand new houses. And that's a big change and could be a really significant shift in our market going forward. Final question. Um, if, if a Wall Street firm comes, on, comes in and buys my neighbor's house, um, what does that mean for, for, for me? Or, or, I mean, is it necessarily a bad thing? Or uh, what, what is this doing to a character of a neighborhood, I guess I, I should say, that a Wall Street firm, not that it's a rental. Um, rentals, I mean, people in my neighborhood are airbnb their house all the time. I don't think that's the issue. But the fact that it's a Wall Street firm that owns the guy's house next door. Well, I think there are a few things to keep an eye on. You know, there have been national reports. Uh, there was a big piece in the New York Times last year about these companies uh, with people who rent in them alleging that they are not uh, responsive to repair requests, that they're very uh, quick to evict folks. And I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially as the eviction moratorium ends sometime in the next months. You know, we know it will sooner or later. Um, we're going to have to watch are these companies evicting people more quickly? Are they uh, keeping the properties up going forward? Those are all things that can be destabilizing to a neighborhood. You know, there are some places where they have a lot of properties, um, multiple properties on the same block. You know, if you have a bunch of people who are being evicted or a bunch of houses that are not being maintained in these clusters, that can have an impact on the neighborhood, you know, and, and not just not because they're rental properties, um, but because of these other issues we're talking about. So I think sure. those are things we need to keep an eye on going forward, and that will definitely be worth studying as we uh, see this eviction moratorium end sometime in the coming months. Interesting topic. Uh, thanks for coming on. Keep us posted on, on how this changes, because I think it's going to be an ongoing issue here in Charlotte and across much of the country. Eli Portillo. Thank you. Honestly, one of the smartest guys uh, to talk to when it comes to Charlotte development. Eli, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, you too. More Flashpoint coming up after this, including the crazy things people are doing to win bidding wars here in Charlotte real estate. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint, the housing market here in Charlotte, also pushing realtors to do things they've never done before just to close a deal. WCNC Charlotte's Michelle Bowden spoke with a local realtor to see the steps they're taking now just to get their clients a home. Talk to local realtors and they all have some crazy stories. We're talking about houses going for way over listing prices, multiple offers happening all the time. It's a seller's market for sure and no sign of slowing down. Honestly, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting kind of crazy out there. One word, frenzy. It is crazy. It is fast paced. It is not for the weary if you're a buyer. It is crazy even if you are a seller. It is just a frenzy. You're seeing people 
basically do whatever they have to do in order to secure a house. Charlotte real estate broker David Bollinger admits he's doing things he's never done before to help his clients, including going door to door in hot neighborhoods. I have been trying to get a lot of off-market homes. I've sent out letters to certain neighborhoods that clients are looking in. Other times, prospective buyers themselves send personal handwritten notes to owners hoping to get the inside track. Jill Castle, though, says that's nothing compared to what she's heard is happening out west. Some of my peers are saying people offer vacations to places like Italy, buyers to sweeten their deals. We're also seeing things where I even heard of a buyer offering a new car to the seller. Here in Charlotte, while you may not get a new car, there is a good chance you'll get over asking price and multiple offers. 17, 21, 32, I've heard as many as 50 some offers. Was that in the Charlotte area you're talking, the 50 offers? Yes, up in the Lake Norman area. Wow. In the last 90 days, uh, nearly 3,500 homes have closed and from the list price to the closing price was 102%. The average house is going for at least what they're asking, if not more. Correct. We went 100 grand over and we still didn't get it. Somebody offered 125 over. Um, and so they got it. Waving appraisal, waving the right to inspect or getting inspections and taking all the brunt of all the repairs on yourself as a buyer. Going with the seller's time frame on everything. What's driving the market? People relocating here to Charlotte, but also Charlotteans looking for change. Buyers having been in their homes are living differently in their homes now. Many folks are working from home. Children may or may not be going to school in the home. People are seeing home in a different light. One of the other things driving the market, new construction. It used to take about six months to get a house built. Now, though, because of COVID delays and lumber shortages, that's closer to a year and people just don't want to wait. Reporting in Charlotte, Michelle Bowden, WCNC Charlotte. Your taxpayer money at work. A Where's the Money investigation coming up after this. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Taxpayers have spent millions funding body cameras to increase transparency and hold police accountable. A WCNC Charlotte Where's the Money investigation found that money is paying off, catching some officers breaking the rules, doing everything from failing to record video to acting unprofessionally. Nate Morbido found while CMPD rarely disciplines officers as a result of regular body camera audits, the data suggests officers behavior is still improving as a result. These are videos the public never sees. More than 200 hours of footage randomly reviewed by supervisors every month. And for the first time, we have the audit results. Hey, this is on, by the way. The rare body camera footage that's actually released. Get on the ground, man. I don't want to have to shoot you. Gives us a snapshot of what police say. Hey, wave goodbye. They're all about to get gas. And do. In extreme situations. But all the videos of the mundane traffic stops and arrests that take up most of an officer's time never see the light of day. The ultimate goal is for us to go from here to here and improve on that 
on that journey. Captain Michael Harris says, rest assured, inside CMPD, supervisors randomly review video from each officer every month as part of an aggressive oversight program. And he says the department's professional standards division adds another layer, randomly pulling and watching additional body camera footage connected to felony arrests, searches, and more. We use it as a change agent for the department. The result? 13 to 1400 audited videos every month and hundreds of concerns documented every year. We use it as an opportunity for a supervisor to sit down with the officer. Audit reports show the department monitors repeat offenders. However, Captain Harris says most problems are addressed not by formal discipline, but rather training and counseling. When you counsel somebody, they usually don't do it again. Internal records show those audits have flagged more than 400 concerns related to tactics and safety in recent years. Several dozen related to language and driving, and at least 50 for courtesy, as well as a handful for use of force. Everyone slips up from time to time, but how we treat people, how we speak to people are paramount to our philosophy and our mission. Even so, Captain Harris says something else is at the top of his room for improvement list the hundreds of failures to activate and record. That's where transparency lies. Records show whether intentional or unintentional, officers have failed to either keep their cameras on or hit record when dispatched or interacting with the public at least once a day on average in recent years. I would rather not have one at all, but considering how many videos we record every single day, it's not that bad. Despite some red flags, the data show an overall decline in concerns flagged by these audits since 2019. I think we've improved a lot. And citizens aren't the only ones benefiting. I'm going to leave my video run until we drive the devil out of here. Some folks believe that 90% of the time it exculpates the officers. Former FBI agent, federal prosecutor, and author M. Quentin Williams says these videos often help police more than hurt them by showing them following the law and policies when they use force. Uh, we They're heroics when they come to someone's rescue. Remember this face. He's a or their patience in the face of verbal assaults. Captain Harris says CMPD is so committed in recent years, the agency has more than doubled its staff that reviews and analyzes body-worn camera data. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Before we go, I want to leave you with this. I shared this on Twitter this week. The average age of COVID-19 patients in local hospitals here in Charlotte back in January was 61. Now the average age is 44. Something to keep in mind. Come interact with me both on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We're there. If there's something you want us to talk about here on Flashpoint, let us know. And remember, you can listen to and subscribe to our podcast as well. We'll see you back here next weekend.